Yo MTG Taps is sponsored by Amazing Spiral Comics in the Rotunda Mall in Hamden, Maryland. Selling singles online as I Want My MTG. And you can find our online store on our website, IWantMyMTG.com. You can also find our podcast every week on thestarkingtonpost.com, top8magic.com, o2drop.com, and mtgcast.com. Welcome to a uh, to GPDC. This is Yo MTG Taps. This is Joey Pasco. Big Head Joe seems to have disappeared. Um, I think he went to go find Thomas Dodd and Kelly Reed somewhere, but he may have gotten lost or more likely distracted on the way. Oh, he's talking to Kelly. Okay, so I'm here with with Tim and with uh, Mr. Scotty Mack. Say hello. Hey, hey, hey. So, Tim, what are you playing? Uh, red, white, black. I'm making a uh, huge mistake in playing something I built. Hey, but you're going to have fun with it, right? Uh, hopefully. Yeah. As it's long as like you don't I'm get mana screwed or something. It's not like I'm going to win either way. <laughs> Fair enough. Right. That's the way I look at it, although... I'm, okay, Big Head Joe walks up. Huddling over deck lists. What, what, what was that? I said I just saw Kibler and uh, Chapin at a table. Like, everyone was like this around the table. Like, it was like Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom or some <laughs> shit. And they were like spinning the thing, the little pearls. And I was, was there like, a monkey there? They were bankers. There were two. They were just oh, killing the monkey, oh, eating oh, the monkey brain. Actually, I think I saw Sam Black eat a monkey's brain. I'm unsure. That, and that, that's from Kelly Reed, first hand. Uh, first it may or may not be true. I, I can only corroborate what I saw, not what actually happened. <laughs> Fair enough. If Lauren Lee doesn't get me my venge vines, I ain't gonna be one sad Batman. Uh, yeah, um, Lauren Lee mold drifting um, is uh, is around here somewhere. We'll probably talk to her at some point. Um, so Kelly Reed and Scotty Mack, you guys are playing similar decks, I hear. I uh, actually audible. I'm doing John, obviously. Uh, Scotty Mack gave me a really nice list. It was uh, was it the florist list that you gave me? Um, I actually took it, I kind of made it my own. I pulled out one of the Sark on the match, uh, and some of the, the main deck Spark Mages went to the board. And thank and, uh, God he did, because now I have one Sark in the Mad in my deck. Yeah. Um, I, I hoard out the last Sarkon, which is actually Tom, so he's been seeing a lot of, uh, playing <laughs> getting everywhere. around yeah. a little bit, yeah. 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 Tom, that's yours, now. that's yours. When he makes top eight, that's yours, not mine, man. You gotta <laughs> wait for it, not me, dog. Um, but I actually, I couldn't, I couldn't raw dog at Scotty Max style. I put in some removal main. Because what do you possess? you possess? I possess the fear. Yeah, yeah, I possess the it's, fear. It's the fear. Yeah. So uh, Kelly Reed rocking a Yo MTG tap shirt. Absolutely, they are they are gorgeous. Production value is very high. They're they're, they're, they're soft. Rocking a Yo MTG tap. So everyone but Tim's rocking a Yo MTG tap shirt right here. He's rocking his kickball league. It says Coors Light on it. He's rocking a Coors Light shirt. No, he rocked the Yo MTG Tap shirt yesterday, so... I can't wear a uh, t-shirt two days in a row. I have uh, perspiration. Fair enough. So you'll wear it tomorrow, then, is that... No. (laughs) (laughs) You'll wash it, yeah. So, uh, I'm playing Vengevine Naya, uh, pretty much straight off of Jerry T's list with, like, cutting a wild Nicotle for a Lotus Cobra, and otherwise identical. Um, Joe Bighead is, is playing... Well, his deck name is Red Green Black Midrange Aggro, and the deck designer is 100% original. So um, it includes such such uh, 
underused cards as Putrid Leech, Lotus Cobra, Sprouting Thrynax, Hell's Thunder, Bloodbraid Elf, Master of the Wild Hunt, Broodmate Dragon, Lightning Bolt, Terminate, Lightning, Maelstrom Pulse, and one copy of Sark and the Mad. Aren't there Savage Lands in that deck? There's Savage Lands in that, right? I believe there are Savage Lands in that deck. Um, they, there's a name for that shard. It's I think it's Jund. I, I could, it could be Bant. I don't know. I get those names all confused. So, uh... Anyway, just wanted to check in, and we will uh, update you guys later with any. Uh, unless, do you have any any uh, interesting things? Yeah, um, get your Lotus Cobras this weekend or like yesterday because they're not going to be they're like ten or twelve bucks even on site. Um, yeah, their Lotus Cobras are going to go to twenty at least, and I think Vendrines. I mean, 35, 30 is about where they're killing. They're, they're selling on the floor here for fifty bucks today. Uh, we'll see if that if that continues after this weekend. I mean, a lot of people are trying to run, like, Floris' list or Jerry's Nihilist. Uh, I mean, Vengevine's a real card. Lotus is a real card. You need to have those, and you're going to get uh, hosed if you don't get them cheap. Because uh, they're mythics, and the only cards that anyone's are missing right now, everyone's got their rare. They haven't moved a single rare all weekend. Uh, it's just mythics. You can't get enough of them. I, I saw you move a sneak attack. That officially was rare. You know, yeah, I, I actually moved three, but um, I actually had a fourth one. I forgot about. It. I could have, uh, I could have gotten him for it. But uh, yeah, I don't want to move those for standard stuff because I don't think that's actually a real card. And twenty dollars is a mirage, and it'll disappear. Fair enough. Yeah, get rid of it before uh, before it disappears. So anyway, that's all we got right now. We'll check in later. All right, we're back again talking to Kelly Reed, who just uh, talked to some of the dealers, or at least one of the dealers. Here's some here's Here's Kelly Reed with the scoop. So here's what I'm basically doing. I'm talking to the dealers. I'm finding out what's been selling hot, what's been, uh, you know, what people are snapping up. It's pretty much what I've been tweeting about all weekend. Um, I just had a chat with the great guys at Pastimes. Check them out. By the way, if you're in the Midwest, they run the best events. They're great. Um, I think this is where I need Venge to Vines. Yeah. Uh, Big Head Joe is here being big and heady. Uh, Venge Vines, they blew out at 35 completely. I'm hearing, again, rumors of, like, 50-plus on the floor. Cobras are gone at 11 bucks. Gideons are gone at 50s. Um, Linvalas, again, I've been hot, but they're, they have plenty of them. They, uh, they sell them, uh, they're selling easily at 10, 12 bucks, and, uh, they're saying it's been pretty hot, but, uh, considering the size of this event, selling 30 of a card isn't exactly groundbreaking. Um, Sovereigns of Lost Lara actually have been selling really well, too, at five apiece, which is great, considering when you, if you bought them at their dollar, you're, you're, you're making, you know, yeah. you're making a ton of money there. Uh, we're going to go and uh, we're going to see if uh, Gaming Etc. will talk to us, find out uh, what's hot for them. Hopefully we can get a good slice of uh, what's going on. Hopefully I will also find out if people are starting to hemorrhage their shards block stuff because uh, if you read my latest article about uh, chart analysis, you can tell right around now, late May, early June, is when people start hemorrhaging their uh, rotate, their soon-to-be rotated cards. And they will uh, they'll drop in value probably about, they'll start the decline around early to mid-June, and by the end mid-July, end of July, the cards will have lost the majority of their value so we're going to find out if that's happening yet and um we'll get back to you hey everybody we're back here it is uh just after round six that was round six right five plus one is six you're six oh it is round six okay uh hold on a second they're making an announcement it's very loud draft 22 and 23 something something uh, yeah, so I'm sitting here with the crew, and they continue to make announcements while I try to podcast. Don't they know I'm podcasting? Don't they know? Don't they know I'm podcasting? He, Big Head can't hear me either. Um, I'm 5'1", Kelly Reed is 6'0", Joe and Tim are about to play EDH. Uh, Joe, what, Joe is what, 2'3", 1", is that 
Um, Tim stopped paying attention. Joe, Joe wants to talk. Hold on. I learned something today. Apparently, when you have a Malakir Bloodwitch out, and then somebody plays Sovereigns of Lost Alara and attacks with a Baneslayer Angel, 12 of that 16 damage... I think that's a given at this point. Okay, they're not going for uh, Drake Umbra. They're going for Eldrazi Conscription. And when it has Trample and it's 16-16 and you block with a uh, pro-white guy, only four damage is prevented. And that sucks. I wish it wasn't so, but it's so. And I didn't feel like having to stare at that anymore today. I was a little blot out about it. So Joe is standing up. Are your pairings up? Joe, go kick ass. All right. Go kick ass, Kelly. Everybody go kick ass. I'm going to go kick ass, too. I hope. I'm going to go have fun. That's the point. All right. Who wants to take the over and under? All right. So I'm going to go find my pairings, uh, but I'm going to podcast while I'm doing it. Uh, I just played a kind of a a red-green aggro list that I thought was a mirror match at first because we kind of had similar opening plays, but uh, then he started using Goblin Ruin Blaster and uh, and Lightning Bolts that uh, I didn't expect. But uh, he, he won game one, uh, I was able to pull out games two and three, so I'm pretty excited that I'm doing on 5-1 in the Grand Prix. This is kind of better than I expected um, at this point. Uh, I'm playing the, the Naya list, and uh, it seems pretty sick. So uh, anyway, we'll check back in with you in a bit. Okay, I'm back. Uh, I just checked my round pairings, and it looks like I am playing Lee Stett of Mana Nation. Um, I haven't met Lee before, but uh, I am excited to meet him, and I'm going to uh, meet him momentarily as I find my table. So, let you know how it goes. Alright, reporting back here after round... What round was that? Eight? Round eight. I am now six and two. I did win playing against Lee Stepp from Mana Nation. Um, we had uh, three games. He was playing like a, a pretty much a stock jund list. Um, and uh, I think I, I won game one pretty quick. He won game two, and then I, I won game three. Um, Vengevine is really, really good. Really, really good card. Like I know everybody's saying that, but it is ridiculous. Except when people path to exile Vengevine. So, uh, as my round eight opponent did, uh, I played Ben Hayes. He was playing blue-white control, and uh, I just... Game one, I was so mana-flooded. I, I think I kept an opener of Hierarch, Basilisk Collar, Knight of the Reliquary, and four lands. And I set things up to get a decent Knight of the Reliquary, and uh, he O-ringed it, and then I proceeded to only draw lands. For the rest of the game, so a hierarch with a basilisk collar is not very threatening. Um, so that was no good. And then I just pretty much uh, didn't sideboard very well. I don't know. I guess I completely forgot about Baneslayer Angel that she even existed. And I sided out all my spark mages, my basilisk collar, uh, the Stoneforge Mystics, and. Uh, 
and I didn't slide in past the Exile or Vapor Snare any way to deal with Bane Slayer, and of course he played a Bane Slayer, and uh, I, you know, I, I didn't have enough gas to race him, so uh, I couldn't deal with that, so uh, it was my first match against Blue White Control because I just picked up the list last night, so I feel like uh, now I learned something from it, unfortunately, it just happened to be at the cost of my second loss at the GP. So, one more round tonight. If I win, I'm into day two. If not, I'm not. So, uh, Joe is trading for Royal Assassins to use in Jund. Uh, you can make fun of him on Twitter at YoMTGTaps. Uh, and, uh, yeah, feel free. I think it's kind of funny. Um, you know, I get it. I get it. It, it could be good, but it feels a little feels a little weak. I'm sure it's going to kill... He, he wants to use it in the sideboard against Mythic, I think. Seems okay, I guess. Um, it's a one-card cunning spark mage combo, I guess. Um, except, uh, basically, he's going to have to have it on the board when they attack to kill, you know, so he can kill it, because if they, I mean... If, he's, if they've got Sovereigns out and then they attack with birds and then they fetch up the Conscription, that's fine, you know, and he, he kills the birds or whatever and they lose the Conscription, but obviously it's right on the board. Any smart player wouldn't walk right into that. So, and then if he plays the... Is it ever going to kill more creatures than a Doomblade, like on average? Right, I, I don't know. I mean, Is Assassin going to net more or less creatures than a Doomblade? That's a good question, right? Would it be better to just play Doomblade and have it... You know, as a surprise, because they're not going to know you have the Doomblade. Uh, and then, like, if they already have a conscription on a creature, and they attack, and he says, okay, I'll kill it with Assassin, if they've got the conscription on it, he's going to have to sacrifice six permanents also, because the Annihilator trigger is still going to happen, and he can kill it all he wants, but now he's got to sacrifice six permanents, so... Well, does conscription give him Annihilator, too? Yeah, I know, I conscription's ridiculous, it's like... It, I totally missed that on one of my games. I didn't sacrifice any permanents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It was. It's a plus ten, plus ten trample and annihilator two. I think annihilator six, annihilator forty. I don't know. It's ridiculous. So uh, whatever it is. So anyway, um, Joe's trading for. I, I, he, I, he's trading for foil royal assassins too. <laughs> Which kind of makes it worse if he doesn't play with them, because he's never getting rid of those. <laughs> Nobody, he's gonna try to sell them to a dealer, and they're gonna be like, "We don't want any of those." <laughs> I don't know. So uh, maybe he can make a better point for it. But the more I think about it out loud as I'm recording right now, it seems like it's probably a bad idea. What do you think? I agree. So. Uh, Anyway, congratulations to Kelly Reed. He is into day two. He won his uh, eighth round. So he's seven and one right now with uh, a variation of Flores the Mad. I don't know how much I've mentioned what people are playing. So uh, so uh, sorry if I'm repeating myself. But uh, anyway, we'll check in again later. Hey, everybody. Yo, MTG Taps. 
coming at you again, live from GPDC. Well, kind of pre-recorded live. Yeah, live. We're live right now. We're always, but live. you're not listening to us. Yeah, it's exactly. We're always live. So uh, this is Joey Pasco, but I'm going to hand the podcaster over to Big Head Joe, who's going to get us some, some, some interviews with some awesome players sitting around while uh, I sit here and play Jund against him. <laughs> Big Head Joe here. Uh, one in three so far in the PTQ, uh, but the prize structure is pretty generous, so I'm going to stick around at least for one more loss. Um, right now, I'm chilling here with Mr. Scotty Mack. Um, say hi. Hola, que pasa? He apparently, Canadians also learn Spanish. That's uh, important. Our number one vacation destination is Mexico, so we need to make sure that we learn some Spanish. That's all. It figures you guys would just skip over the United States. Um, so, uh, they're like... Oh, God, let's get over this annoying-ass country and get down somewhere fucking beautiful. Um, so, uh, how's your day going so far? Uh, today's been going really, really well. I uh, have been fortunate enough to be a part of a mastermind brew with uh, one of the heroes of my life sitting next to me here that's been saving my performance today, Mr. Thomas Dodd. What's up, guys? This guy, we've, we've put together, I think, like the pinnacle next-level gen list. Sorry, Mike, but, you know, thanks for your input. But you were the fucking start, and then Thomas here in fashion has finished it off. What do you just say about the list? The best version of the best deck. I mean, that's it, right? <laughs> it sounds about right. It sounds about right. So, um, so what have you what have you played against so far today, Scotty? Uh, I played against two rounds of Naya. I played against a junk deck that I don't think I was even awake for the game for. Um, I just tanked. I punted. It was good. But round one, so we're good. Um, but I played Naya twice, and I played the Mirror once, and we're 3-1 so far, going heavy. And for you? I'm 3-1. I've lost and won against Mythic, and I just beat Vampires in Blue-White-Red. Nice. So what do you think? Um, do you think this deck has a tough matchup, or what do you think the toughest matchup is against the deck? Uh, yes, without a doubt. Find that colony quick. Mono Red, the deck that Mike Flores told me to never play. Fantastic. Um, so, if everyone listened to Mike Flores, we'd be like ten and zero today. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a good point. Uh, so, anything else you guys want to say? Uh, it's it's really really sick. It's all about the Vengevine Cobra Bloodbraid Elf sprouting through an axe. Like Mike hit it on the head, man. The fat creatures in the middle. And we just needed a bit more removal because the fear was actually warranted today. I feel like every deck has so much advantage that people have moved away from spot removal, which causes Lotus Cobra to be even better. So right now, I feel like we have this sort of uh, weird limbo coming out of the weekend because we don't really know. Do we go back to running Bolt? Uh, it's not that great, so I don't know. It's interesting, yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I've been running Bolts in my sideboard, and I bring them in when I think it's appropriate. Um, and it's not always appropriate. Actually, um, my, my one win, actually, um, I only sided in one bolt. And it was just because, well, it was just because I was making cuts. I just threw my sideboard in there. I was cutting things. And it seemed like, you know, a bolt was better than whatever it was I wound up cutting. You know, so, you know, it, it was there. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, and yeah, so these guys are doing really well. I'm not doing as well. Um, and uh, we have no data yet on whether or not Royal Assassin gets there against Mythic. Um, I gotta tell you, the data that we've generated, and I'm sure Thomas, you'll you know uh, collaborate with me on this data. But Cunning Spark Mage out of the sideboard is probably the best card I've brought in all day. Close second, Malakir Bloodwitch, and that's saying something. Bloodwitch is pretty awesome. 
I, people have had varying results with different decks, but on the whole, Ventwine and Lotus Cobra is uh, the way to go if you want to EXO. Yeah. Sweet. All right, guys. Um, anything you want to say about your testing right now? Well, I just played against Blue-White Control with Jund. Apparently, I'm like Anakin Skywalker or something. <laughs> Anakin Skywalker is the name of a character in a movie um, called Star Wars. No, I'm not going to do that. Copyright George Lucas, please don't sue. The people that listen to your podcast, people who listen to your podcast have never seen Star Wars. So you should probably go in a bit more. Wait, no, no, I'm getting confused. It's Star Trek. Um, Oh, it is Star Trek. Star Trek. Is that the NASCAR movie, Star Trek? (laughs) No, that's uh, the Neptune's record label. (laughs) All right, y'all. Hey everybody, I'm here with Evan Irwin, uh, doing pretty well at GPDC here on day two. Um, what, what round are we in now? I haven't even been keeping track. Uh, it's round, we just finished round 15. Okay. And I am, uh, this is actually more rounds than a PT or a Worlds, what's worth with 19 rounds. But anyway, uh, yeah, so I'm 11 and 4, and uh, fingers crossed I, I can get there to the money. I, I would just like the money, you know, right, I can. Right. It's fantastic. Like, have you ever? Uh, is this like the first GP you've played in, or you played in other ones? Uh, I've played in other ones. My first GP ever uh, was GP Detroit in like 2005. It was Kamigawa Limited, and I top 32 that one, oh, wow. which was really good. And see, the interesting story about that one was that uh, I squeaked in day two back in the day. Like, you had to get so many points; it wasn't just X twos made it. Some X twos didn't make it if their tiebreakers weren't there. But uh, anyway. Uh, my first draft, because it's limited, my first draft I went 0-2-1, and I was like, oh man, there's no <laughs> way I can I can do anything in this tournament. And then I went 3-0 and made top 32 and made like 600 bucks and whatever. And oh, that was great. That is fantastic. Yeah, so I'm, fingers crossed we can get there this time. So tell us about what you're playing today. Uh, I'm playing Mythic Conscription, and I, I tried to play the Flores Jun deck, and I really thought it was cool. I thought it was great, but you just can't deal with anything. Like, they play a Basilisk Caller, and you're like... Oh, crap. I've got to somehow um, fight around that. You know what I mean? Because you didn't have any removal, no Maelstrom Pulses, no Bolts. You hear that, Mike? You need to uh, shore up your your list here because it... Straight from the mouth of Evan Irwin, it can't deal with the Basilisk Collar. What, do you, what the hell are you gonna do? I mean, like, I mean, I love Mike, so Mike knows this is all. This is obviously oh, all respectful, but like, he released the second version of the deck that I felt was worse than the first version, and I was like, the ancient ziggurats and stuff were just oh, like no, just man. killing me, and, and I couldn't do it. And so like two in the morning, like people were saying, like we have blue eye control, we have red deck wins, you know, we've got mythic inscription, and I'm like, wait a minute, let's play that. Because that deck just, it had the best winning, it had the best uh, placement amongst the Masters qualifiers, mm-hmm. and it won the most first places finishes. Right. Now, it didn't get the most invites, but it did because that was done just based on numbers. Yeah, yeah. But it actually did the best. So I'm like, this deck seems ridiculous. And uh, it turns out it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, it's uh, it's obviously a solid deck because it seems to have been showing up more and more. And um, I, I played against it twice in the GP, and, and I beat it both times with uh, Vengevine Naya. So... You know, I don't know if that. Have you played a lot of Vengevine Nihilists yet? I, I have actually played quite a bit of Naya, and uh, and I've I've won all those matches. I haven't lost Naya yet, but you know that's the variance, as it were. Right, but, right. But I am just really happy with uh, with the list. Uh, Linvala, <laughs> Linvala. Basically, everyone found out about Linvala on Friday afternoon, and then every, you know for the rest of the weekend, people were just like, "You're never going to guess my guess my technology." <laughs> and I'm like, "Is it a four mana flying angel?" And they're like, oh, "How did you know?" And I'm like, "Dude, like 
the magic community is like a big game of telephone. Like it's going to just spread. Right. Right. You know? So yeah. So uh, so are you main decking Linvala or, or or sideboard? I've got own sideboard. Basically, okay. Naya beats you because they have Spark Mage mm-hmm. and Basilisk Scholar. A lot of it's just Spark Mage killing all your guys. Right. So if you can get Linvala down, they can't do anything. They can still equip the Basilisk Scholar or whatever. Right. But they can't Spark Mage you to death, and you have to sit there with another Reliquary and do Sajiri step tricks and all that stuff. Right, right. That makes sense. Going sounds forward. sounds like the round's getting ready to start. So, so good luck. Thank you. Fingers crossed. Let's see what happens. Yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be watching. Hey, everybody. This is Joey Pasco, Yo MTG Taps, uh, riding home from Grand Prix DC. Uh, Big Head Joe stayed behind to uh, to finish his PTQ attempt to win three packs because I think that was about the only thing he was in contention for anymore at this point. But uh, in the car with me, Tim is here, and also I have Patrick Chapin. So uh, we're going to talk to Patrick about the the event, and uh, I'm, I'm going to hand the mic to Patrick now since I'm driving. So. Alright, so I don't have to do it. I don't have to push it in. No, no, you just hold it in. Oh, uh, okay. the microphone up top. This is fun, funny looking. Alright, sure. So, uh, um, so uh, I guess, um, you want to tell us, uh, how, how'd you end up doing? Oh, I didn't do that well, but, uh, hopefully Kibler's going to carry, Kibler and Godin is going to carry the torch for me, you know? So, uh, you guys threw the deck up together? Oh, I mean, no, no, they're probably, most, I, I did most of the testing for it, um, uh, Kibler picked it up, I guess, the day before, and uh, Godennis picked it up a couple days before, and uh, uh, mostly I did the brewing with uh, with Matt Sperling, okay. and uh, and Sam Black uh, contributed some suggestions, and uh, but then I think playing in the event, Tom Martell, Josh Rabbits, uh, Matt Sperling, myself, Sam Black, Godennis, and Brian Kibler were the people playing it. Wow, and uh, well, obviously Kibler's doing pretty well. Yeah, Godennis is doing well. Is doing well, yeah. So uh, everybody else uh, at this point of age. Well, Martel was Martel started out eleven two, but then dropped three straight. So I'm not sure uh, where he's at now. And then uh, I know that um, let me see, uh, Rabbits made day two, and uh, Matt Sperling uh, sort of got DQ'd on day one accidentally. He got a match loss when he had two match or two losses um, accidentally. So I guess uh, then Sam Black and I just lost. So, uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about the deck? Oh, sure, sure. It's a different kind of take on Bant. It's, uh, well, first the deck list is uh, four Noble Hierarch, two Scoop Mob, two Birds of Paradise. Um, I played the only three Seagate Oracle, but there's probably be four. And uh, four Jace the Mind Sculptor, four Wall of Omens, two Path Exile, two Oblivion Ring. Uh, I played a Core Skyfisher, but it should be the fourth Seagate Oracle. And then uh, an Elspeth, uh, three Ranger Vios, uh, two Gideon Jura, two Bant Charm, four Seaside Citadel, four Celestial Colonnade, four Misty Rainforest, three Sun Petal Grove, one Stirring Wildwood, five Forests, two Islands, one Plains. But the four, deck kind of needs to be middle. Oh yeah, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's probably the main. Yeah, oh yeah, and the key to the deck. <laughs> yeah, you're probably gonna need four Vengeance. Um, yeah, it probably needs to cut like a four drop though, and pick up a little bit more, like another cheap speller and a land. But anyway, yeah, it's uh, very aggressive without having very many creatures that actually attack. You know, it's a lot of cantripping and card drawing to go through your deck. Try to find more and more Venge Vines and just keep bashing with them. And then the other people you bash with are Celestial Colonnades and the Scoop Mobs that you ranger up. The key is just a huge amount of card advantage from Walls and Seagate Oracles and Rangers and Jace and Gideon and Elspeth. I mean, just tons and tons and tons of card advantage. It plays out a little bit like a sort of a Jun deck almost, where all your cards are two for ones, you know? Yeah. 
and uh, and then Vengevine's just unbelievable. The format is, I mean, so many people are just not ready for that guy. You know, so many people are playing decks that just can never, ever, ever beat a Vengevine. Like, a lot of these blue-white decks, and uh, Grixis, and uh, any sort of deck that tries to take control, I mean, it's not, this is not a control format, but I don't know what about numbers. <laughs> well, well, you, uh, originated, well, the, the recent iterations of Blue-White Control as of PT San Diego. Yeah, well, Vengevine wasn't legal yet. Well, oh, absolutely, yeah. He wasn't even spoiled yet at that right. point. So, uh, so I would say, you, you just said, what do you know? And I figured you, you kind of seem to know a lot based on your uh, your record of, with, with Control decks, especially recently. So, um, I mean, I'm a big fan of the, the Blue-White Control list, the, the pre-rise of the Eldrazi Blue-White Control list, and uh, it seemed like Oh, yeah, I mean, before Rise of the Eldrazi, I mean, Blue-White was cleaning up, you know? Yeah. First, I mean, Jund dominated for a little while, but then people realized that Blue-White actually does beat Jund, you know? A lot of people couldn't figure out how to beat Jund initially Blue-White, and with practice and with tuning, they were able to do it. And uh, then Blue-White was kind of dominating for a while, so it's good that Rise of the Eldrazi mixes things up a little bit, you know? Eldrazi Conscription, Vengevine, uh, Kargan Dragonlord and Devastating Summons. Um, a lot of good things, you know, stuff for Polymorph. It's a lot of good stuff for a lot of different decks. Yeah. And then Blue White gets Gideon too, you right, know, and Wall of Omens, obviously. Right. So I mean, uh, it's kind of sweet. I mean, a lot of things, a lot of things changing, you know. Yeah, I'm going to talk a little bit more about Blue White, but uh, back to your list. Uh, you mentioned about cutting Core Skyfisher. That to me, Core Skyfisher seems to be one of the better cards to interact with Vengevine. So I'm. I oh, it is. But the thing is. That. Yeah, you don't need to make your Vengevines that much better. The whole cute thing with Core Skyfisher is that obviously when you have it, your Vengevines just never die. But the thing is, in this deck, the Vengevines never die anyway. Yeah. You constantly are just seagating into creatures, wall of omens into creatures, jacing into creatures, uh, rangering into creatures. So, I mean, we're not ever having trouble really triggering our Vengevines. And uh, the Core Skyfisher is at its best against blue-white, but that's like your best matchup anyway, you know? Yeah. So I think we'd rather just gain some percentage against uh, against aggressive decks. So, so you at this point the changes you would make just off the top of your head were to change the uh, Skyfisher into a Seagate Oracle. Yeah, off the top, it definitely changed Skyfisher into a Seagate Oracle, and then uh, I consider cutting one of the four drops um, for a uh, I don't know maybe another land. Okay. And uh, another stirring wildwood or a forest or something. So and then the sideboard the looking at like two yeah. deprive, two negate. Two mind control, two Lanessa or Linvesa. What's her name? Linvala. absolutely. <laughs> two Linvala. Some people only played one, and then uh, maybe a Pithing Needle, Path to Exile, O Ring, um, and some anti red cards. Like I think right now, Core Firewalker is what most of us are using. Yeah. Perimeter Captain's an option too, though, because you can ranger it up. But I don't know. I don't know. Got to test some more. Right, right. I'm trying to focus my right now. I've been mainly focusing on block. Right. So this is actually you know I haven't been able to play as much Type Two as I'd like. But uh, I think it's a really good deck for the PTQ to come, you know, for the, the, the you know, this part going forward with the season. Although I definitely think that it's the version that we played at this GP was a little heavy. Yeah. The uh, the thing, you know, what I first heard, I think, about the list was that it's got Jace and Vengevine in it, which sounds, <laughs> to me, like, those are, yeah, I mean, like, that's amazing right there. I mean, Jace is... Well, yeah, I mean, you got to look at the alternative. I mean, obviously, like, in my opinion, like, the real decks right now, I don't know. I mean, I guess I mean blue white is okay. Like, yeah, I like Hollywood's blue white black deck. You know, is that what he played today? I didn't get a chance. to Yeah, talk to him. Gabe's playing it too. Okay, Gabe in the safe. Yeah. yeah, 
Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a nice twist to go uh, a little bit different of a direction. Although I kind of think that you want Identity Crisis instead of Mind Shatter. It's just too important to exile the binge runs. Right, and uh, that's another thing I was going to bring up. Uh, the problems I had, I, I playing a Vengevine list, you know, Vengevine Naya being a, a, another list meant to abuse Vengevine. Um, I had trouble beating two blue-white control lists, and, uh, but the problem in against one of them was I never saw a Vengevine. Well, see, no, 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 Naya's not as good against blue-white. Yeah. I mean, Naya is okay against blue-white, don't get me wrong, it's definitely decent, but remember the old Naya strategy lost to blue-white, yeah. so you got a lot of ground you have to gain. Yeah. This, uh, the way my deck's set up, Jace is, uh, Jace is a lot better against Blue-White than, than Bloodbraid in those decks, because all you, I mean, a lot of the time, half the time you're flipping up, you know, a Stoneforger, or a Bird of Paradise, or a Noble Hierarch, or, I mean, there's a lot of not super flips, and, uh, whereas Jace is just devastating for these Blue-White decks, so hard on them, so hard. Yeah. Um. The, uh, the thing that was happening to me was when I did see Vengevine, it was Path or O-Ring right away, you know, and if you only see one Vengevine in the in the game, and they have an answer for it, it's tougher. You know, with the Nihilist, I had a lot of trouble, you know, winning or even gaining any ground without uh, without Vengevine to help at all. Oh yeah, yeah, that's part of the reason. That's another one of the, the reasons why we play stuff like Seagate Oracle, Wall of Omens, Jace, with so many more ways to find uh, to to find Vengevines. You end up just it's like you draw more, you know. Right, right, and, yeah, and that's. That's kind of what I was saying uh, yesterday during that... Well, I was thinking it during the match, and I was telling them afterwards that, man, I wish I had Jace to be brainstorming for Vengevines rather than uh, and sitting there hoping to draw one. Um, so do you think the format adjusts to to include a lot more main deck Path to Exile and Oblivion Ringer Journey to Nowhere for Vengevines um, at this point? Uh, somewhat. I mean, people should, be, should have already been on that quite a bit. The problem is you can't go too far in that direction because, I mean, you can't just sleep on Jund. I mean, Jund is a monster, you know? And and speaking of which, uh, did you see Flores's recent uh, Vengevine monster truck, or Flores the Mad, as people have been calling it? Um, it's just a Naya deck it, with black instead of white? Exactly. It, right, you're using it, Sprouting Thranax instead of Knight of the Reliquary? Yeah, pretty much. Right, and, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's fine, I guess. I think, like, I think what's more, much more, like... If I were going to play a deck like that, I would want it to be more like what Mike Jacob has done. Mike Jacob took a Naya deck and put Sark in the Mad in it. And just, just splashing black. Right, yeah, exactly. Because okay. you get a really easy splash off of... Uh, well, first of all, you're, you they, you, instead of Misty Rainforest, you just use Verdant Catacombs. Right. He's got Evolving Wild anyway. Mm-hmm. And then he's got Knight of the Reliquary. And he ups the number of Birds of Paradise a little bit to make sure he can actually cast it. And he wants the Birds of Paradise for Red Man as well. Because the Naya deck sometimes... I mean, the yeah. you know, you want to have... You want to have that uh, your mana there, and the Lotus Cobra underperforms anyway. But uh, I think he might have. I think he might be using a couple. But uh, the point is that black is a really easy splash to pick up as a fourth color, and you still get Sark in the Mad. And Sark in the Mad is unbelievable, you yeah. know. But uh, I haven't played with it yet, so I haven't. Oh yeah, I mean Sark in the Mad is awesome, and uh, I don't think that the value of Sark in the Madding your Thrynex is necessarily close to comparable compared to the value of just having Knight of the Reliquary. Yeah. Another Reliquary is better than any card in Jund except for Bloodbraid Elf. You know? Right. Like, I mean, it's... Like, the best cards in this format are like, what? Bloodbraid Elf, Jace the Mind Sculptor, uh, I guess, uh, Vengevine, um, 
I guess. I mean, what else? Like spreading seas. Flores was no, 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 spreading seas, right? Uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, spreading seas even good right now? According, I mean, I I feel like it. it Underperformed for me when I first tried it, but I can see. I, mean, I, I think it, the the format keeps fluctuating, and when oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. For, for spreading seas, it's fantastic. But now everybody's going, okay, I'll play vapor snare, deprive, um, yeah, or I mean, just yeah, I mean, exactly. Spectrum. You know, I mean, spreading seas was awesome last month. You know, I mean, first of all, some of us played it five months ago. At, yeah. You know, like that that was when it was sick, is because the gun people didn't even know what was going on then. You know, <laughs> but. Yeah, even up until like a month and a half ago, two months ago, Spreading Seas was good. The problem is that nowadays, first of all, a lot of the Jun people are playing way more fetch lands. You know, anybody reasonable playing Jun has way more fetch lands, more evolving wild, you know, less of the M10 duels, and uh, less of a reliance on Savage lands. Plus, they're just playing more land. And you end up getting tempoed out because when you're sitting there hanging out and just casting Spreading Seas, they do stuff where even if they're not hitting you with Sedex Spectre, they're playing Venge Vines or, or anything else. I mean, they don't. Spreading Seas, it's it's a really bad time for Spreading Seas. Um, it's fine in a control deck, because you got to have something to play early. Right. And Counter Magic's, you know, pretty terrible right now. But uh, outside of a control deck, I mean, the, the whole idea that you'd want to play Spreading Seas just as a, like, just in a blue card, it's like, um, it's a playable blue two-drop if you don't have anything else good to be doing on the second turn. You know? Yeah. Like, I, obviously, the only good blue cards right now are, like, I guess, like, Jace and then various cards that would go in Mythic, you know? I mean, Seagate Oracle isn't particularly good. It's like, it's, uh, it's, about, it's like spreading seas. Like, it's a fine card if you're looking for that type of effect. But, for the most part, uh, I think Mindspring is the only other good blue card. Like, Jace and Mindspring are good. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you about Seagate Oracle, too, but you, you kind of just answered Oh, yeah, Seagate Oracle's fine. It's nothing spectacular. It helps with the engine. You know, you wouldn't, I wouldn't play Seagate Oracle just to be playing it. It's not some awesome card that, like Wall of Omens, where you're just going to stick it in and everything. Right. It's just that it helps the Vengevine engine, you know? Right. I mean, it, it's the Sea Beyond that works with Vengevine. Yeah, yeah, Sea Beyond didn't pan out as well, because Sea Beyond doesn't have enough of an impact on the card. And right now, the uh, the format involves too much... Uh, the, people are committing more and more action to the board really fast, and you want to be able to create a board presence, you know? Sea Beyond... It's, you don't have time to just be hanging out filtering your cards as much. Right. You know, I'd rather have Spreading Seas than Sea Beyond. And uh, Seagate Oracle gets the nod in this deck simply because we need to have creatures for the Vengevine engine. Right. You know? Right, right. Sea uh, Beyond, uh, you mentioned uh, not, not the last, in your most recent article on Star City, but last week, I think, uh, in the How to Build a Modern Blue-White Control uh, list, you mentioned Treasure Hunt uh, com- as compared to Sea Beyond. Um, that obviously was from you know from the, the World Wake post World Wake version, and and that seemed like, I, I, like personally I loved Treasure Hunt. I tried Sea Beyond, and I thought I thought it was pretty good, but there were so many times when it was just land clumps. Do you, you so you feel like in in a modern blue eye control list, you feel like uh, Treasure Hunt? Would, would, where do you think Treasure Hunt compares to Spring Seas, and then and then Sea Beyond? Uh, I'm not really sure because I guess I'd have to see what a, what a real blue-white control deck is now. Because in my experience, blue-white is fatally flawed, you know, and it has to change. I'd be interested in taking a look more at Conley and other Conley's deck that uh, that Nassif was playing because um, I mean, identity. Like, see, he was playing Mind Shatter. I think Identity Crisis would help shore up the Vengevine problem a lot. But uh, I guess I'd have to experiment a little bit because I don't 
currently have a blue-white deck that I would advise. I you see. Know? Okay. So, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, I mean, Spreading Seas seems like a better card to me than, than, uh, than Sea Beyond, that's for sure. Treasure Hunt, you have to really want to draw cards, and I think it's better probably to be Mind Springing. Yeah. Um, so, probably, I would probably avoid Treasure Hunt in Type 2 right now. Yeah. And uh, Spreading Seas is actually, um, it's okay because the counter spells are pretty bad. And you gotta have something to advance the board besides just Chalice and Wall of Omens. So, Spreading Seas might get the nod there. See, in my uh, the, the list I built and I almost played, I went with three Spreading Seas and just one Treasure Hunt, figuring with the Jaces, and, and I had uh, Deprives in there and a copy of Halimar Depths just to have that interaction available. But I didn't want a ton of comes into play tap lands, so I didn't run a ton of Depths. But, uh, you know, just to be able to have that, you know, the wacky, crazy seven land treasure hunt kind of thing. Oh, no, no, it's fantastic. Treasure hunt's still a great card, and it's going to get more play as the time goes on. It's just that there's actually a variety of options available to people right now, you know? Right. Yeah, all I'm saying is just based on power level, um, I kind of think you'd want to set your blue deck up a little bit to take advantage of Mindspring and Jace, because, I mean, Mindspring and Jace are the only good blue cards in the format, really. There's just a lot of solid cards. Like, you could play a whole bunch of the different blue cards are interchangeable with each other. You know, it doesn't. It's not the. It's not going to make or break these blue decks if they have spreading seas or if they have treasure hunt or if they have cancel or deprive or into the royal or wall of denial or uh, whichever blue cards they fancy playing. I mean, right. at the end of the day, the, the key is that the only blue cards that people are playing that are generating a huge advantage are the powerful card drawers that can that can draw you enough cards so that when you're one for oneing, like when you're playing your path exiles and your day of judgments, that you have something worth waiting for. Right. Know? Right. That makes sense. So, uh, you said about the blue-white being fatally flawed. You feel like that's a lot... Uh, Vengevine has a lot to do with that? Oh, absolutely. Vengevine is the yeah. reason why I think they're fatally flawed. Okay. I think that the blue-white... I mean, maybe maybe you can just play a whole bunch of Relic of Progenitus's. Yeah, that's another question I was going to bring up. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean... Or Bajooka Bulk, but that's, you know... Maybe that's available for the Esper uh, version. But how would you tutor it up? Right. So the relic is better because it's also a cantrip, you know. Right. You can bring it in against open the vaults. And, but yeah, I think if I were going to play just straight blue white, I'd experiment with a bunch of relic progenitus. Right. Because simply relying on paths and o-rings alone is not enough. What do you think about the uh, opposing Vengevine decks against your list, uh, your Bant list? Uh, I think that the, the Bant decks probably favored because. Uh, I mean, against Naya, it can be kind of a battle, because even though their Vengevines aren't nearly as good against you as yours are against them, because there's, they, they run out. Like, they eventually run out of creatures. They they can't bring their Vengevines back forever, whereas the Bant deck very rarely runs out. You just keep getting more and more and more. The thing that can really hurt the Bant deck, though, is the Cunning Spark Mage, especially with the Collar. And that's they why, put it, with the Linvala, is that... Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's the primary reason for the Linvala. Okay. The ba- Basil's Collar with uh, Spark Mage is a very real problem, and, uh... My experience, the single biggest way that we lose besides the Spark Mage is the uh, Knight of the Reliquary. I mean, we've got a lot of answers to him, but if they ever untap with him, he starts creating such a powerful board position for them that it can be very challenging. So I'd say that the key to beating Naya is to uh, make sure to you know to fight the the Spark Mage and the uh, the Knight of the Reliquary. Okay. And then as far as like the the Jun decks the, the that are set up like Ventrines with mm-hmm. the Jun decks, the fact that they don't have Blightning. Is, uh, is definitely good for them because, I mean, I don't think Blightning is even particularly good in the format right now. You know, it's yeah. kind of a bad time for Blightning. I mean, it, the card's been overrated for a while, but now, especially with Vengevine, it's becoming 
painfully obvious to people that it's a really, un, you know, it's a hostile time to be spending your mana not affecting the board, you know? Yeah. Vengevine seems like the uh, death of discard. I mean, yeah, I mean, Vengevine is, it is so bad to get your, like, uh, Kibler was playing against a Grixis deck, one of those Grixis decks was, like, so Kibler plays, like, Noble Hierarch, and the guy tries to spreading season. Uh, and obviously that doesn't even matter because right. you've got you're, you're, you've blue anyway, right? right? And you spent your turn making the Celestial Colony not make white mana. That's such that. that so then you know Kibler just plays Seagate or Oracle, just continue to advance the board, and then the other guy blightnings him. Now, <laughs> see, spreading seas with blightning together doesn't even work out very well because when you slow down their mana production the cards in their hand have less value to them. Right. So, right, so then when you blightening them, they're getting rid of a resource that has less value to them now anyway. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, they're both powerful cards uh, when the time is right for them. They cheapen each other. Right, right. exactly. They don't work together very well. It's a cl- like it's uh, the classic problem of just trying to stick powerful cards in a deck without any, without any, without using craft to build something. Right. You know, without making something that has any harmony with itself. It's just, I'm going to... I'm gonna put. Let's see. What's the best card I can play for two mana? Spreading things. What's the best card I can play for three mana? Lightning. Without any regards to the harmony of the deck itself, you right. know. So, um, so, so Kibler, yeah, Kibler got, yeah, Kibler gets lightning. And obviously, hey, have you seen Vengevine? Discard this. <laughs> nice deck, dude. Right. So, I, I thought it was interesting. Uh, uh, the one, one of the, one of the cards that seems like it, it's decent against Vengevine is Thought Hemorrhage. Right? Yeah. Uh, guy, I'm playing, um, you know, my Vengevine Nihilist, and I play against the guy, and he plays Thought Hemorrhage, and I'm like, yeah, and he says, Baneslayer Angel, <laughs> I'm like, all right, and, and then, yeah, so, it, obviously, like, it, it was just one of those situations, he ran a second one, he ran a second one, and, and Thought Hemorrhage wild the coddle, but I think it, he must have thought I was running four, I only had two in the deck, and one was in play, and because I had rangered up did both of them and played one, and I guess he knew that he was going to hit on one of them for the three damage. I guess that's what he was doing, paying four mana to, to hit me for three, but it didn't really do anything. I, just, you know, I won that game pretty Yeah, easily. I mean, yeah. he's got to focus on what matters, you know, right. like, he, getting the Wild Nakato for value just to get that one card out of your hand isn't worth nearly as much as shutting down the, uh, you know, the primary road to the deck, right. And the thing you got to watch out for, though, with cards like Thought Hemorrhage going after, uh, going after Vengevine is that they're they're not. I mean, you're talking about using a four casting cost spell that doesn't give you necess- that doesn't even necessarily trade card. Par- you know, doesn't even have card parity necessarily against a beatdown deck. So when you spend your four mana getting rid of one of their guys, they spend their four mana playing Bloodbraid Elf, right? You know, or playing Elspeth, or whatever it is they're playing. You know, Jace or Ranger or Knight of the Relicry or whatever powerful cards they have, Gideon, whatever. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. It's a huge tempo loss. Right. I'm not even really. I mean, I don't know. I've, if I were to play tomorrow, I would definitely play Vengevines again. I think that it's, it's this is not a beat em kind of thing. I think I would much rather join them. You yeah. Know? <laughs> well, it was. It, I think a lot of people looking at Rise of the Eldrazi saw Gideon Jura and Vengevine and as the top two cards of the of the set. And um, as far at least as far as rares go, I think everybody was very excited about Wall of Omens. Um, but as far as like, you know, well, the, no, I don't know. You got to remember a month ago. A month ago, there were a lot of people who were saying, yeah, why hasn't Vengevine done anything yet? Yeah. yeah as recent as two weeks ago, it seemed like Gideon was, uh, was insane and nobody was playing Vengevine, and now this weekend, it's like the exact opposite. Yeah. Well, people are well, playing people Gideon, are playing Gideon, Gideon but yeah. Vengevine really... 
Ventron seemed to have seems this was like Ventron's coming out party. It seems like uh, yeah, absolutely, which yeah. is is pretty nuts. Uh, yeah, because we we played a couple weeks ago um, at the Philadelphia Open, and everybody was just raving about Gideon. And uh, was there there was a Star City uh, Open the following weekend, and people were uh, talking up Gideon quite a bit. And it is awesome. Like yeah. yeah seemed like Vengevine got pushed to the back. but it Yeah, I know. But, well, it took people a while. It took somebody, you know, physically getting, putting up some some numbers of uh, physical performance because, you know, we were talking about, what, five, six weeks ago, uh, Naya and Bant and Jundex with uh, with Vengevine and green-white decks, too, with Vengevine. Yeah. And it was all just speculation because, I mean, obviously there's a lot of different shells you can put the card in. But uh, it looks like people finally got around to finding a recipe to take advantage of it, you know. Because I think for a while people were afraid to really push towards what it would take to make a good Vengevine deck. Like, for instance, these Bloodbraid Elf decks, it, it took Jerry taking uh, Lightning Bolt and Path Exile out of the Naya deck to really help push it over so that you're, you're more consistently triggering your Vengevines. You know, just give up Lightning Bolt and Path Exile. You know, how good is Lightning Bolt in the format anyway? You know? Like, I mean, a lot of the Jun decks don't even play four of it anymore, yeah. you know? So, I mean, Lightning Bolt isn't even that good in the format, so is it really that big of a loss to make, to play with more great creatures? Right. Make your bench finds better? And that, that's another interesting thing you mentioned, um, and, and I'm, I'm not sure if you've talked to Jerry much about this, but, you know, this Avengevine Nihilist is attributed to Jerry T, and uh, it was, like, what, a handful of cards off of the list you posted in the the Star City article about Vengevine. Uh, you know, like a month ago or six weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, but that's not that's not that important. I mean, no, no, the, the I, list I that I posted was only a, it was a relatively small handful of cards off of Tom Ross's list, yeah. and Tom Ross's list isn't even that many cards off of Mike Flores's list. Right. And Mike Flores, I mean, it, it, it just oh, yeah, keeps yeah, going yeah. back. It's just the Naya cards, you know. Yeah, and I, I guess I, I didn't mean to make it sound like I was accusing Jerry of like stealing the list at all. I know. It, it's no, 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 no. It's a, right, yeah, the, the the whole thing. The reason why Jerry should get the tr- the, the credit that he deserves here. For sure, the why he deserves the credit is because he made the, the the intellectual leap to cut all of the removal. Right. You know that's kind of a big that's kind of a big jump because it's not just any random cards. You know, like all I did was suggest adding Vengevines instead of uh, you know like a Johnny Vengeance. Right. You know? And because um, I mean a Johnny Vengeance, they were just using as another forecasting cost spell just because it's a good card. You know, it, it didn't even fit with the deck. But Vengevine. It's got to occupy some space, and you don't want to take out from Bloodbraid Elf or Ranger because you need to fuel the Vengevine uh, engine. And uh, the uh, the big jump that Jerry made taking out the removal, I think that's awesome. That's that's a that's that's a very good move, you know. And it kind of a little bit takes a page out of the Mythic playbook where it's just you know because V popularized this. You know, a little bit of Jerry's inspiration for this Nia deck was actually Shvi's, uh Mythic deck because V was like, well, you know what? Why play with any of the reactive cards? The proactive cards are so good. Why not just fill my deck with them? And Jerry did a similar thing with Naya. Like, uh, this is Jun deck is another good example. It's a, uh, let's take out the reactive cards and play with proactive cards that are gaining an advantage. You know, we'll use good cards at each spot in the curve and just have good proactive creatures so that we can continue. Because if you have a, if you have a, a removal spell, um, if you face somebody who doesn't have the right type of thing, it's not that good of a card. Right. But there are enough good, but that leaves you vulnerable, you know, that can leave certain weaknesses, and sometimes you want that removal in certain decks because you want to have a tempo play, you want to be able to deal with particularly troublesome permanents, 
But in a lot of these Vengevine decks, they're getting by just playing with powerful cards, and it's just play my powerful card, play my powerful card, play my powerful card. Right, and smash against each other until, you know, somebody's dead, right? Right, oh, absolutely. Right, right. Uh, you brought up a good point. Evan um, Evan was talking about how he was playing the Flores list, and it couldn't deal with a Basilisk collar. Um, so that was one of the vulnerabilities that he saw, which made him switch to Mythic. Um, yeah, I mean, you don't want to you don't want to play that like. You know, there's no reason to be playing a Jund version of Vengevine when you could be playing Naya. Yeah, I mean, the Jund doesn't offer any I mean, putrid leech and sprouting chronics or any. I mean, they don't add an element that Naya doesn't have. They're just random good creatures that the format's already set up to beat. Every single person in the tournament has tested to the roof, like to the, to the limit against Putrid Leech and Sprouting Phrenix. Right. You want that to be your support color instead of Knight of the Reliquary and Ranger VS? So, I mean, and obviously Sark on the Mat is awesome. He definitely is. He's an awesome card. And I that's why I think that the the, the sick idea is Mike Jacobs sticking Sark in the Mad in a Naya deck. And is that that what he was playing today? Uh, yeah. And is he still he's still playing, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's right. still playing. I think he's at X3. Okay. Not positive. He might be X2. I, I, who knows at this point? It's probably right. over. So yeah. Let's check. But. Right on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's interesting. Well, Mike Flores uh, is, is a fan of our podcast. So he listens a lot, and we were talking to him on the way down here. So it's interesting to hear the, the two separate ideas because it seems like uh, you know he's obviously advocating the the Jun strategy. Um, so uh, no, I, I think I think he'll come around. Yeah. I don't know. I think he's. I think he's gonna like. Uh, I think he's gonna like MJ's take on uh, Naya Jund. Right. And uh, we also got to see what the results of the top eight of this look like. You know, because I mean, first of all, classic Jund is still good. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. isn't Owen Turnwall just playing stock Jund? I, I think so. <laughs> you know, a Lara block constructed Jund for all. Right. Exactly. Yeah, so exactly. I mean, I think stock Jund. That's when you're when you want Maelstrom Pulse and Blightning. You're taking advantage of some of the black cards, some of the reason that you're playing black, then Jun starts looking a lot more appealing. The problem with just playing the straight up Jund Vengevine deck is that on power you just don't match up as well against the Knight of the Reliquary decks as you want. Knight of the Reliquary is unbelievable. It really is. And I, and, and, I mean, I guess you can board Malister Pulse, but they can throw I mean, They can path through if they want. The, the big thing, though, is that they have access to the, the Stoneforger Collar Plan, which in these all-creature matchups can be pretty game-winning, you know? Right. And then on top of that, they have access to Knight of the Reliquary, which is a much more powerful tool for controlling the board in a creature-on-creature matchup. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then Ranger matches up just fine with some of the other cards. You know, it's a powerful card. But. Right. What do you think of... Uh, of- because, you know, in your bat list, you have Knight of the Reliquary. No, I don't. Uh, no, 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 no. That's right. You didn't. That's right. Yeah, although I think it's a possible card to play. It's just the way we were setting it up, all the creatures, uh, none of them are good to terminate or Maelstrom Pulse. Oh. <laughs> and, just less valuable for... Uh, right. And and that might not necessarily be worth it. It might just be better to play with... Like, I think we're going to experiment with uh, some versions that have uh, four Knight of the Reliquaries to bring the curve down a little bit. Because um, so, so many people here can't even kill a Knight of the Royal Quarry. It's a, it's better than I expected because I hadn't really played with it much. Um, but it, uh, playing with it this weekend, it's just it gets big so fast. But it's uh, the, the idea I was thinking was if Vengevine becomes the presence that uh, that it seems to be coming, uh, be becoming. It's, it's do you think playing Knight of the Reliquary with like one copy of something like Bajuka Bog? 
would. Well, be they already cyborged Bazooka Bog, right? Did uh, did uh, some people do? Do they? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, some I people do. Cyborging a Bazooka Bog is sweet. Yeah, absolutely. So Go get with your other Rockway to win the Vengeron and Vengeron battles. Right. Yeah, so, so yeah that, absolutely. That seems like a. Uh, that's Big Head Joe calling, but I'm not answering. So. <laughs> um, Phone is ringing. Oh, yeah. my God. He's probably calling me to tell me he left something in my car and kind of come back because <laughs> that is something he would very much likely do. Um, but, you know, too late now. So. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Um, so, you mentioned a Johnny Vengeance. And as you probably saw on Twitter on Friday, there was a debate raging between... Which is better, Jace the Mind Sculptor or Johnny Vengeance? Was it really a debate raging? Yeah, they were. Who's they? Were they? Really who was arguing? Okay, uh, who else? I guess I know. I know Forrest was arguing the Johnny Vengeance because, you know, because uh, Coin Bro won with Naya. And, and Sperling was arguing was the other other, end, other side of it. Yeah, uh, just call me. You're gonna pick it up. Yeah, I guess give him. A yeah, can we stop? If we pause anyway, because okay, I gotta yeah, go for it. Go for it. I'm sorry. Yeah. No So yeah, a Johnny Vengeance and Jace the Mind Sculptor. You want to hold that? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so you're saying the debate? Okay, let me let me make sure I understand. the 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 question is, what is a more powerful magic? What is a better magic card? Better or more powerful? Better and for winning, you know, like I suppose that I suppose that's the goal. Well, no, I mean, some yeah. people care about flavor, and some right. people no, have color well, preferences. Flores, Flores is the one who uh, brought it up. So. Yeah, yeah, but I think, I mean, I don't know. I think that's more, you got to understand, it's a little bit, there's a little bit of hype there, too. It's a little bit a good way to poke the bear. It's a way to get a barb out of people, you know, because it's, it's kind of like, Jace the Mind Sculptor is, what, it's an $80 card now, and like, it's, the fact that it's so popular and such a successful card and so, it's so commanding, you know, like, so, it, it draws so much energy to it that um, it's a cool thing to be against, you know? And Flores knows how good it is. He knows yeah. Jace is awesome. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying that it's not a great card. Right. He's suggesting that it's overrated. Now, I personally don't think it's overrated, but it's definitely fair if somebody wants to say that they think it's overrated. Now, it may be a little bit... I think... I don't know. I think it's very possible that it, perhaps he got a little carried away with the idea that a Johnny Vengeance better than it. Because you got to remember, this is the same sort of logic that leads to things like... Um, I mean, Flores has used the same argument about Dark Confidant not being one of the best, like, one of the best two drops of all time, you know? <laughs> he also claimed that Anderson Marajal was better than Kobe in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he likes to say things because he gets a rile out of people. You know, people pay attention. They're like, oh, I can't believe that. You know, he's like, uh, sometimes he likes to, to troll the public. You know? Yeah. Like, he doesn't really believe half of that stuff, you know? Like, I mean, maybe maybe he does, but uh, let me, let's just put it this way. We had our own little Ajani Vengeance versus Jace debate here, and because uh, we heard about, you know, Sproling, you know, told everybody here that, you know, he sent us the message that uh, that there was a debate about Ajani versus Jace, <laughs> and uh, the local level eights asked, well, Aaron? <laughs> right, right. I saw that. I, mean, I like, saw that on Twitter. That like, I mean... <laughs> Like, a Johnny Vengeant is currently what? Not playable in Naya? Yeah, I. 
fringe playable, maybe. Fringe? But not in not in what? Not, not in Naya? Right. Well, play, you're right. gonna play it over Bloodbraid Elf, Vengevine, or Ranger? I mean, uh, if it's not even the fourth, I mean, guess what? It's the fourth best four drop, <laughs> debatably. I mean, there's also Elspeth, which is pretty good. Yeah. So I don't know. It depends on what you're looking for. Johnny's a great card, though. I mean, I played a Johnny at Worlds like a year and a half ago, and it's done nothing but good things for me. You know, that was a great card in five card control. It was great in uh, the boat brew type decks. Yeah. You know, and it's been good in a lot of different things. It's just a great, powerful card. It's probably, it's probably the best planeswalker besides Jace, right? I mean, I don't know. It's pretty I, good. You think you like it better than Elspeth or Gideon? I don't know. It's, that's the that's yeah, the other one. Elspeth's pretty freaking awesome, and Gideon's really good too. Yeah, I feel like I like Gideon better than Elspeth. I for uh, playing against it. I feel way, uh, it's more frustrating to me. Oh, I guess playing against it with an aggro deck is very frustrating to me. Uh, I guess it really depends on what exactly you're playing. Yeah, all of them shift contextually depending yeah. on the format and whatnot. Exactly. You know? Like, obviously, like, you scroll ahead to the future. In the future, Jace the Mind Sculptor, he's already what? He's amazing in, what, every single format? Extended, Type 2, uh, Block, Legacy, Type 1. I mean, Jace is seeing play in every single format. And he's going to continue to see play into the future because he's that powerful of a card that he crosses every single border. Ajani Vengeant is a mid-range dream that's a good, solid value card in low-powered formats. But, I mean, does Ajani Vengeant see play in Extended even? Let alone Type 1 or Legacy? And that doesn't have to be the only metric, but the point is that Jace dominates in every single format. You know, he's one of the best cards in the format, if not the best card in the format, in the low-powered formats. I mean, like, in Block. Isn't Jace, like, the best card in the format? It's the most powerful. I, I, I really right? like Jace. <laughs> and I, mean, I think he's... Jace. I think Jace is definitely at least a candidate for the best card in Type 2. Yeah. I and mean, there's Bloodbraid Elf, uh, Jace, and Vengevine, and Gideon. A whole bunch of the Planeswalkers are all really awesome. Yeah. But. I, I think it's interesting, too, because we've had Planeswalkers now for almost three years, right? Since, uh, since Lorwyn came out. Right. And, uh, you know, everybody kind of knew they were good. Um, but only recently... Have we seen a list like the Super Friends, you know? Well, that's because uh, before there weren't enough awesome Planeswalkers. I mean, like, yeah. look at the Super Friends list. Elspeth, Gideon, Jace, and Ajani. Uh, None of those were the first run. You know, right. Jace, Balerion, Garuk, Ajani, Goldman, I think they hedged a little at the beginning because they wanted yeah. to kind of, wanted to be careful about pushing it too hard too fast, you know? Right. Yeah, I think it's the best of Lorwood Planeswalkers really isn't all that much now. Yeah, he, he was really good. At first, well, uh, see, I don't know. To call him the best, you got to remember he was the best, much the same way that Profane Command was the best command. Yeah. Just because it's Profane Command wasn't really the best command. Cryptic Command was. Absolutely. Just like the best Planeswalker shifted at times. It was Jace Blaren, Other times it was a Johnny Goldmane, which people thought was the worst at first. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it changes around. It's all contextual, but just on raw power. Garuk got about a Johnny with persist. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Jace Blaren and Garuk are probably the best. You know. Well, Ajani was really good uh, when Black White Tokens was was big. Absolutely. That, and then since that, uh, since most of that stuff rotated out, fallen off completely. Basically, yeah. Goldmane's sitting in binders now, so uh, you know he's. But his, his counterpart is seeing some play. You know, his. Uh, yeah. Oh no, Ajani Vengeance. Exactly. Great card. There just isn't a ton to support Red White beyond the Naya shard, you know, and once you have all of Naya, then there's just too many good four drops to be stuck having to play with a Johnny Benjamin. Right, yeah, if you're playing red-white, there seems to be no reason not to just go with green and play Bloodbraid Elf, and then, you know... 
Right, and yeah. Vengevine. Right. Like, now, I mean, now like Bloodbraid Elf and Vengevine are both clear. And Ranger, for that matter. Bloodbraid Elf, Ranger, and Vengevine in a vacuum are all more powerful than Johnny Vengevine. Yeah. So, not in a vacuum, I guess. It requires the context of there being good one casting all creatures to get. But. Right, exactly. Um, so, uh, we're getting pretty close to the airport here, but uh, I guess my last question that I can think of, anyway, <laughs> um, is uh, what do you, you were saying about the counter spells. You mentioned Deprive, and you. How do you feel about Deprive? I saw you playing it a little while ago. You were playing some sort of Esper build, it looked like. Um, oh, yeah, I mean, I'm playing Deprive in the sideboard of Mabantech, too. Okay. Yeah, I think Deprive is it's a good quality card. Like, it's it's different than Cancel. You know, if your plan is to cancel somebody's Planeswalker on the third or fourth turn and then untap and play your own Planeswalker, then Cancel's much better for the job. Right. But if, you can't, if you're a deck that casts lots of main phase cards, which a lot of decks are, you know, if you're playing Jaces or Elspeths or Gideons or Vengevines or whatever it is you're doing where you're playing mana on your own turn, Deprive is a great way to only leave, you know, it's a great way to still have a couple counterspells to try to protect you from some game-swinging card. Right. You know? And, I mean, obviously the ability to mount your own land to undo Spreading Seas or to reset Halmar Depths or Sejiri Refuge or whatever, that's cute. But the main reason you play it is just a mana cheaper is a lot. I mean, that's the difference between Lightning Bolt and Incinerate, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, I think it's a good quality card, but it's not insane. It's just a solid counterspell. Just another option. Right, it's like, it's a, it's like counterspell that isn't particularly good on the second or third turn. Yeah. You know, or even the fourth turn for that matter. It's okay. You can do it in a pinch. But for the most part... I think it's a very balanced counterspell. It's one of my favorite cards to be to come out recently in terms of a game design standpoint because I think it's very healthy for the game for there to be hard counters, and I think the counterspell itself is too powerful. Yeah, um, I've played it a little bit, and I do. At first, I thought it was terrible because I kind of felt like the uh, the difference between it and cancel was that you can play you can play deprive on turn two, but why would you want to? And then by turn three, well, now you can play Cancel. But if you... Mana. Right. That case, and you still have or seven mana, you play Baneslayer, and you have Deprive to protect it. Right, and that's what I wasn't thinking about in my first uh, evaluation of the card. And uh, and so since then, when I've played with it, I've liked it a lot. And it's uh, it's just one of those cards that uh, I, I'm glad it's around. So it's it's interesting. I just wanted your take on it. So Yeah. And I'm Delta, yeah, okay. for what it's worth. So, uh... I guess we'll wrap it up then. Thanks a lot, Patrick. Uh, Absolutely. It's always a pleasure, man. I uh, definitely, love your, definitely love your show, man. Cool. Thanks a lot. And, uh, yeah, I definitely appreciate the, the interview. And even, I, I know, you know, I'm, I'm taking you to the airport, but I appreciate you, you know, riding with us. And, yeah, and as I said, I very much appreciate the lift. You're a lifesaver. Uh, the, apparently, the uh, the GP was in, what, Virginia? Yeah. And uh, Virginia. my flight is out of Baltimore. Oh, here we go. So, okay. you guys are a lifesaver giving me a lift to... Uh, yeah. Not actually near Washington. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, well, this was GP Baltimore at some point, and then it became GP DC, and then now it's Perfect. Virginia, so. Exactly um, an hour. Yeah, there, exactly. there we go. So, thanks a lot. And Kay, can I grab one of your shirts? Absolutely. That's awesome, man. Alright, so this is Big Head Joe. We're here at GP DC. Uh, with this is Scotty Mack. Hey, how you doing? And, uh, Apparently, um, Liz Richardson, one of the uh, judges here on site, just made a pretty phenomenal trade, and she ran away. Oh, I can't find her, but I want to get the scoop on this damn trade and figure out what the hell was somebody thinking. So, uh, you there? Oh, sweet. All right. So, here we go. 
We're going up to her. Hey, Liz. Yeah. Uh, Big Head Joe, UMTG Taps. Okay, hey, what's up? I want to get the scoop on this trade that you did. Tell me about this. So I started with a basic forest, and I traded up for a Celestial Purge, and then that got traded for some other crappy card. Actually, I can tell you. Hold on. Celestial Purge for a Brilliant Ultimatum, which got turned into a Mind's Eye Foil, into an It That Betrays, which got traded for Consume the Meek, turned into a Sharding Sphinx and a Skittering Invasion, which got me a Tuck Tuck and a Grazing Glade Heart Foil, turned into a Mind Shatter and a Jiraga War Collar Foil. Um, and then I, it, it stopped, it dropped for an hour, no one wanted to trade, so I started over. So with a forest, my name on it, for a Chain Reaction, for a Renegade Doppelganger, and a French Hand of Emmercool, for a Feral Hydra Foil and Frappe, which I think is Scrap, or some crappy white card from Eldrazi. Got me a Gin of Wishes Foil, Foil Treasure Hunt, for a Baylos promo and Three Dark Rituals. She got me a Dauntless Escort and a Foil Armor Master, Salad, and Resurrection. The Dauntless Escort went for three Eternity Vessels and a Door of Destiny's promo. The Resurrection and the three Eternity Vessels turned into a Day of Judgment. The Foil Armor Master and the Salad and the Day of Judgment went for a pile of about 14 rares, which I got lazy not to record. Three of those rares turned into seven more. And I ended up around with 22 cards, 22 rares, one of which was a Murderous Red Cap a promo Shriek Maw, and a Foil Vendalkin Heretic. The Shriek Maw and the Heretic turned into a group, and the Murderous Red Cap turned into a Soul Ring. And then I got a Foil Gruldaz Spectre for a normal one, and that's where I am right now, is, with my Soul Ring and 20 other rares. That is fantastic, because I, I saw the picture, and I was like, wait, oh, you what? you saw the picture? Yeah, well, yeah, it was tweeted. As soon as I yeah, saw I it, I was like, it. what the hell is this doing? I was like, i got to figure out what's going on here. I figured, you know, I came to this giant event. There are 1,900-plus people. This is the largest the U.S. has ever had, third largest in the world. Why not just meet as many people as possible and do the dumbest trade possible? And... Started out with a forest, I ended up with soaring in a group. I mean, I think I got okay. I traded up. Yeah, definitely. I think I'll start my own new T-shirt. Trade you, up. Have you um, have you uh, seen John Medina's uh, Pack to Power thing that he's working on? No, what's that? Uh, if you go to Mananation.com, he uh, started with a pack of Rise of the Eldrazi. Uh, his rare was a uh, Bear Umbra, by the way. And he's it's a good rare. And he's working on trading up to a piece of Power Nine. And the, one of the rules is. No time twister. No so time he has twister. to. So he has to go hard on it. My goal today was to get to a Gideon. I don't think I'm going to get there. I'd love to. And then if I did, this was my promise. If I got to a Gideon, the first kid I found under the age of 14, I would trade to him for a land and get back to where I started. Because I don't care. I have Gideons already. But this doesn't matter to me. I'm not here for the cards. I was here to meet people. Yeah. And if I can find a kid who really wants a Gideon for a basic land, if I can get that Gideon, I'll give it to him. That's right awesome. Away. No, you're way too old. You look like you're 40. Get out of here. And you look twice that, man. I was remotely interested in getting the Gideon to you until you told me your charitable ends with it, and I'm a selfish prick and I can't go there. Well, if you're still going to give me one, I'll keep it. I don't know. I mean, I've met so many people today. This is the largest event I've ever judged. I'm not sure if you know. I'm a level zero. Oh, yeah? I have been for two years. So I'm slow in getting my test. I don't test well, but... There, I have met not a single bad person here. Everyone here, like in a room of 1,900 people, there was one guy who was stealing stuff, and everyone else was turned in. Every deck that was lost has been turned in. Decks with cards oh, worth more than $600 have been turned in and getting gotten back to people. Um, everyone's being courteous and friendly, and I mean, 
I got a Garouk out of a forest. <laughs> you know these people can't be jerks. They're like going out of their way to help me beat this other guy to a Gideon. There you go. Like there are two oh, of so us going. Some, oh, yeah, I'm competing. Else. Oh, okay. And I beat him out because he dead ended into a Chandra and a Jace. So he has his forest and he trade, 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 trade. Give me the pile. Uh oh. Here's my pile, sir. Here we go. Oh, you did I tried. Okay, we're back. Um, apparently, I have five minutes to record, so let's talk about where we're at right now with this uh, trade. I traded up to get a Kargan Dragon Lord, Wood Bastion, a Foil Deathless Angel. Oh, no, you traded the sword. It's. I mean, this is just worth a little more, and I was hoping I was going for value. So that Course Fear Dancer. Someone traded me a Battle of Whisper Gigantiform uh, training grounds. You still got the Garouk here, and. The rest of the stuff isn't awful. I still think Voracious Dragon is awesome, so... I don't know if I got there, but I'm willing to take short of a Gideon. I'm willing to get something else. And, I, and I'll tell you what. I will trade you that dragon token in the deal. I will yes, trade you dragon your, token is in the deal. I'll trade you your dragon token for mine. What's your dragon token look like? I've done like three hours of trading today. I'm doing it. It's even spelled wrong. I love it. I just traded a, uh, a Dagron token for uh, I fly. You know, nothing, nothing better than uh, than uh, I, I was totally trolling today. Uh, somebody plays a Baneslayer Angel, and then you go sacrifice your Baneslayer Angel, Dagron. It's like it stuns his Baneslayer. So there you go. Great. I'm loving it. I gotta be honest. I had a lot of fun today. I met like. A thousand people. I ran into one guy who wanted some cards for me but didn't have anything worthwhile, so I told him if he could find someone to draw uh, a tuxedo on an Eldrazi token, I'd give him something good. He got an Ulamog. Nice. Very so, nice. For, for literally just meeting someone he didn't even know. And it, it was great. So now I'm trying to train my haul today before I have to leave. I've been searching you guys for like an hour. Oh, yeah? I couldn't. I was looking for this orange shirt and I couldn't well, find I you guys. Playing. It's I cool. Was, I was you busy win? Play. No, I didn't win. Of course not. I, was, I mean, I was playing. I was, I was, I was, next time. I was playing Royal Assassin. It's not gonna get there. Against Mythic? No. Yeah. yeah no, it was good. not gonna get it there. Was good. So. But you didn't win, so it couldn't have been well, that. Well, yeah. He had to use Gideon's ability to kill it. I, 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 I go, I go, I go, I go. Terminate your, uh, your um, Knight of the Reliquary. He taps. I'm with the ability on the stack. Tap Royal Assassin, kill it. Ah, okay. So, it, I mean, like, it kills them, it kills anything with an Eldrazi conscription on it. I think it's good. Um, it, it, one match is not in? testing. No, I dropped because I just don't feel like playing anymore. Yeah, I'm tired. the day's almost over. I'm getting ready to go. My ride's been, like, apparently doing nothing but waiting around for me all weekend, so. Yeah. I want that card. What do you got? I love so, so, so the final pool. Um, final pool. We've got uh, Voracious Dragon Foil, Garrick Wildspeaker Xbox uh, Arcade Foil, Training Grounds, Battle of Wits, Core Spirit Dancer, Foil Deathless Angel, Wooded Bastion, Gargan Dragonlord, Enclave Cryptologist, Staggershock, Tucked Up Deep Explorer, Vendetta, Surakar Spellblade, Conquering Manticore, Royal Elemental, Kazul Warlord, Blood Tribute, Electropotent, Strength of the Tissue Root, Lava Ball Trap, and Celestial Purge, and one of my Dagron Tokens. Pretty good part. And uh, Scotty Mack, I think, is looking to finish up the uh, the day here. I don't know. I, I'm almost willing to be like, I'm solid on this. I can walk away and just be happy. I know I didn't get my Gideon, but I definitely beat everyone else doing this today. 
by a mile, and that makes me happy. No one even thought I could do it, so I'm pleased. And she started with a forest, for the record. I started with two forests. Two forests. Two forests. Oh, double up, huh? <laughs> you know it. Like blackjack. 21. And the token, the mascot. Well, that doesn't bust me, that's just funny. I don't know. I know, no, I don't. Not a shit in there. No worries. We'll trade later. You'll see me around. All right, so. Uh, yeah, both from Maryland. All right, y'all. So, uh, no, he's from Canada, but. Um, Canada? Anyway, okay, so this is Big Head Joe signing off. I'm going to take a picture of this, and we're going to post it on our uh, blog. Thank you. Bye-bye. Absolutely not. I'm just going to BS with you for a few minutes. So uh, this is uh, Big Head Joe here from Yo! MTG Tabs. Joe has already gone home because he doesn't want to miss the series finale of Lost. Um, but wow. Why don't you just, like, bit towards that? Or, I don't know. There's all kinds of ways to watch Lost. Okay. Dot, dot, dot. Joe doesn't want to, okay, let's rephrase it. Joe doesn't want to miss the series finale of Lost with his girlfriend. Oh, okay, that's more reasonable. All right. That, that's about, I don't know, driving an hour and 40 minutes home. Uh, Where does he live? He lives in Baltimore. Um, I don't know if driving an hour and 40 minutes home just to see something live on TV is reasonable, but uh, there is no reason in a relationship. So right. um, we're with Lauren Lee, a.k.a. Mall Drifting. Say hello. Hi, guys. So um, what did you play today? Today I didn't play anything. Cause you didn't play anything? I mean, I mean in the PTQ. Well, you're already in. Can't because I can't right. play in the PTQ anymore. Right, right. But yesterday I played Mythic. Right. Uh, with Conscription. Uh, but I won three and three, so didn't make day two or anything. Yeah. Yeah. And we got Scotty Mac hanging out lurking. Um, <laughs> so, um, what what matches did you lose to? I lost to Mono Red. I lost to the Mirror, and I lost to a random. Four-color cascade deck. Four-color cascade, like... Yeah. It, it was like Naya base. It had uh, Enlisted Worm. It had Maelstrom Pulse. It had Lightning. Like, it was, it was pretty random. Uh, Stormcaller Spoon? No. It wasn't, it wasn't bad, Zangie. Like, it played good cards. It was just in a weird configuration, so it had, like, Nine of the Reliquaries and Blood Red Elves together and, you know, all kinds of good cards in the same deck. That's really interesting. Wow. Um, so what do you think uh, with Mythic Inscription? Because that's a deck that I've just been, like, losing my mind over, actually. It's really tough to beat. What do you think its toughest matchups are? Um, its toughest matchups are probably Naya, if you don't have, like, a good sideboard plan. In Mono Red is, is pretty, pretty bad sometimes. Like, sometimes you can't do anything against their draw, and you just lose, which is how I lost. Also, Cardigan Dragon Lord is insane. It's like the nuts against Mythic. Um, I don't know. I think it's just a good deck. Like I, possibly the best deck. I don't know. <laughs> Everybody thinks their deck's the best I deck. Know. I know. Okay, maybe it's not the best deck, but I, I like it, and I, I would recommend it to people if yeah. they were thinking about buying $800 worth of cars. Like, you know... If anyone has a free eight hundred dollars and wants to get it scattered, well, sadly, the, I think the only cards that I'm missing from it are a Sovereigns of Lost Alara. Um, but okay, but you can you can probably get there. I, I think it won't be that hard. Um, so, um, what? So Amsterdam, right? Is that yeah. what? When the hell is that? And what format? Uh, it's in September. 
it's extended. Um, it's going to be after M11 comes in, but not, but it's, it's before Scars of Mirrodin or whatever. So the format, I don't know how much it's going to change. Probably not that much. Probably a bunch of dark depth. I'm thinking dark depth. Dark depth. Yeah. Yeah. Or like the the ninja deck. The ninja deck. Yeah. Coming with, with special deck. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, uh, when I. I remember when um, whatever that hell that card is that returns a wizard to your hand, the one that Riptide Laboratory. Yeah. When, when they when that rotated out, I was like looking at Ninja the Deep Hours, but uh, you know I don't write articles, so uh, nobody knew about that, and I'm not you know I can't take any credit for it, but I did think about it. But uh, it is. Only also came up with a, a really good Esper build for control and for today. For today, yeah. Or for uh, GP, yeah, GP, yeah. And uh, he made day two with it. Gavin Berhe, a writer from Star City, didn't make day two, but he said he liked it very much. And there was some other guy playing it that made day two, and so you know, it had a pretty good ratio. Two people made day two of the deck. Not too bad. Yeah. Not too bad. Not too bad for for a new deck. Um, it's always fun. Well, uh, according to this, we have about 30 more seconds. Uh, so, is there anything else you would like to tell the listeners of OMTG Taps uh, before we sign off? Uh, good luck in your next event. Alrighty. Well, this is Joe signing off. Bye-bye. Big Head Joe here. Uh, smoking some cigarettes with Brad Nelson, winner of the uh, Pro Tour, uh, or Grand Prix DC. Uh, so how's it going? It's uh, going pretty good. Yeah? Um, I'm pretty excited. <laughs> yeah? I mean, you, you, you take off work for like a month or two, right? Uh, this is work. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's it's play, too. Yeah. But play is work. Like that's all I do. <laughs> right, I right. Play magic. Right. Well, I mean, that's great, though, right? Oh, I mean, it's the best. It's, it's all I could dream of. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like ten years ago, you're probably like, well, I could either, you know, work at a retail place or I could play magic and make some money, right? Nothing yeah, I mean, that's that. what I want to do right now. Like, getting the experience to just travel around and see people that I'd never get to see. Like this guy I've never met, you know. But every once in a while, we just run into each other. We're friends, like for the three days we're around each other and go on. Like, that's the experience that's great about Magic. Like, that's what I love. That's why I keep coming back is because, like, you just get these, like, three-day, every three-month friends that are just better than anyone you've ever met. Yeah, that's why we go to the regional pre-releases. Like, we don't do – like we well, I run pre-releases now, but we always run them the day after the regional so we can still go to it. Just because, like, when Wizards made the – uh, like yep. the store pre-releases. Network, all that crap. Right. When they did that, like, they were trying to build communities, but, like, the regional community was our community, like, four times a year. You know what I mean? Like, it was, like, four times a year we got to see these people, like, yeah. my buddy Neil that I was in kindergarten with. We, like, totally out of touch. We never talked, but four times a year I would see him. Now that they do the store pre-releases, I don't see him anymore. Yeah, and, and the excitement of traveling and playing Magic and going with friends, like, the, well, the, the stories. Adventure. Yeah, the adventure. Like, I, I have stories of, like, trying to get to PTQs through storms. Like, you're, you're yeah, like, I've always used to say Magic players will, like, risk their lives to try to win a Pro Tour qualifier. <laughs> there is a pretty good story. You were in the Madison car trip. Oh, the Madison one. <laughs> Weren't you in that no, car trip? the Iowa one, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah, I drove through Iowa once, and uh, we just get into Iowa, and we hit a freak ice storm and actually, like, get stuck there for, like, eight hours. But then we made it. <laughs> That's really awesome. Yeah, I think that every pre-release we ever go to, there's some catastrophic storm on the way back. We yeah. went we went to the World Wake one, and they were calling for one to two inches of snow 
on the way back, it was like eight inches of snow, and um, uh, hour long trip took three hours and forty five minutes. It was yeah. it was pretty ridiculous. But um, so. No, we're still recording, so he probably heard me. I just forgot me screaming in there. Um, so, uh, so where, where, are you, where are you playing next? What's your next? Uh, San Juan. Step? So you're playing in San Juan next week. Yep. Cool. And then I go to the Community Cup Challenge uh, at uh, in Renton, Washington, for uh, at Wizards headquarters. That's sweet. Uh, Evan Irwin's playing in that, right? Evan Irwin, uh, Ben Stark. No uh, Joshua Clater. It's gonna be a really that's fun a, tournament. That's a huge opportunity, man. It is like it's like you get the golden ticket. Like I honestly got the golden ticket. I get to go to our Wonderland and play Magic with the people that designed the game. Yeah. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it's gonna be a blast. Like I mean, I'm really, like, really, just amazed at what I'm getting to do with with my life right now. So um, you played blue white, right? Yep. And were you you were running Seagate Oracles? No. No, somebody was running Seagate Oracles that yeah. I heard about. Yeah, no, I was playing pretty stock. Just the cards that I want to play with, I think that that's that this most important reason why I won, is I played with all the cards I'm comfortable with playing with. And I had my strategies. Like, I think just picking a deck before a tournament and not knowing it. Like, I mean, I was going to switch decks the night before. My brother, you know, I said, you know, you've been working on this for three weeks, and that's what you should play. And I just listened to him, and I played the deck that I was most comfortable with and took it in. And what deck did you play against? Uh, to the, I played against Naya Allies, Naya, two blue whites, and uh, some other deck. Uh, I can't remember what it was. And then like eleven or twelve Jund. And in the final, you played against Jund as well. Yeah. Oh, I played Mythic in the top eight. Other than that, I played eleven Jund, and I went nine two against Jund. Not too bad. Not too bad. What do you think the uh, the strongest point for your deck was against Jund? Um. Keeping in Wraths and Marshall Coups and taking out Jace and running three Elspeths to Gideon. Uh, I don't have the card advantage to go super long. I mean, I, if I draw my Mind Springs or my Sphinx of Lost Truths, I can get the card advantage. But I'm just trying to drop fast, powerful spells before they can uh, do anything to me. I'm just trying to be one step ahead of them. They don't run as many two-for-ones. They're playing more creatures that die. Like, their Rune Blasters are good at killing a land, but if they're not ahead on board, you know, it's just more Wrath. And they just run out of spells to play. So what do you think your toughest matchup was today? Uh, Brett Bachman, top eight. I mean, even though I didn't, I mean, I didn't lose to when I lost other matches. Like, I luck sacked my way through that. Like, my deck just was, it was destiny or something because I should have lost it, but I top decked like five times in a row game two. And then game three, I just opened the nuts. Like, I had every option my deck honestly wanted the entire game three. Like, I could do whatever I wanted. I had like six cards all the time that were all just exactly what I wanted to have. So you play open the nuts? I have... I thought it was called Open the Vault. I thought uh, that seems like a weird card card to play in that uh, deck. In what? I'm kidding. Uh, um, <laughs> no, but <laughs> so what, what was he playing? Uh, Bant. Okay. Or Mythic. So Mythic with conscription. With conscription. Yeah. And yeah. Um, what do you think? I mean, the best way to stop because that's a, obviously a pretty sick deck when it goes off. What do you think the best way to stop that deck pass is? Like pass. Pass. Yeah. Pass, pass and wrath. So you pass the turn two Lotus Cobra. No, you can't do that. You pass. Well, you just wait. You just wait, and you pass the sovereign when it comes into play. Yeah. Like that's how you have to play. I mean, if you get the opportunity to do that. Well, they like, go to move to attack step before, like end of end of main phase one, prior to the attack step. You just pass. You pass the guy then. Yeah. You can pass like, it right when they play it too, during their main phase. You just don't let the exalted trigger happen. Yeah. Okay. Like that's just it. Right. Because then you have to have two removals. Like you have to kill the sovereign next turn anyway. Why make the guy bigger? Like it just doesn't make sense. So you just get rid of him as fast as possible and 
Go on. Sounds good. Okay, um, so I'm about to have my cigarette. So uh, right. I'm going to head in and leave him to bask in the glory of a big win. Thanks very much. Um, this is Big Head Joe signing off. Thank you, Brad. Yep. Anything else you want to say? Uh, keep grinding. Thanks, bro. Word. And, 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 and who, who are you, sir? Uh, Michael Posgay. Word. Mm-hmm. You have any? Do you have anything you want to say? You can say whatever you like. No filter here. Oh, congrats, fucking Brad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right on. All right, everybody. Take it easy.